In the sport, it seems that inspiration can be found nearly everywhere you look. From watching Ed Whitlock spend the last decades of his life outrun time itself, to witnessing Mohamed tear up the track, competing at the highest level after beginning life in the turbulent Somalia. I would say that the Canadian Marathon Championships this past weekend in Toronto were no different. Trevor Hofbauer made a heroic 218 debut for first after leaving his Alberta life behind to quite literally chase a dream. Leslie Sexton putting in some giant mileage around her employment, seeing her hard work come to fruition as her first Canadian Marathon Championship. And of course, our two guests this week. Third Canadian across the line, Aaron Cooper talks about being self-coached to a national medal while being a father and working full-time as well. Also, silver medalist Lindsay Tessier joins us. She's a late arriver to the sport and a full-time teacher, but she talks about her breakout year and her big race this past Sunday. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter, a Tracky Radio production. Lindsay Tessier's entrance into the top level of running isn't exactly what you would call conventional. She didn't run collegiately or even in high school. In fact, this full-time teacher didn't start running until six years ago. That doesn't really matter though, as Lindsay put down a 2.36.51 in a national silver effort this past weekend, a time that was double digits faster than her last marathon. We caught up with her at her home in Toronto. So we're talking on the Thursday after the Scotia-Toronto Waterfront Marathon, and uh, just like the other guests, I would like to ask you, have you watched back the marathon yet? I actually have. I took a look, um, I guess it was Monday night. I uh, watched the broadcast back again, and very <laughs> surreal watching yourself on, on, and then hearing what one of my running mates was the commentator. So I had some interesting, I heard some interesting things from him <laughs> that I obviously didn't know while I was running. <laughs> Um, speaking of, speaking of that running mate, uh, it's Michael Doyle and, and, uh, probably a lot of mm-hmm. our listeners would know him from Canadian running. He's the, uh, an editor mm-hmm. there, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. He, uh, he, he made some points, uh, that I thought were interesting watching it back today. Uh, he said that, that you were kind of aiming for something a little bit closer to 240. Um, was that in the cards and, and you just decided to throw all caution to the wind or what what was the story there? I I think ideally, because it had been three years since I was able to line up for a marathon, so uh, I wanted to break 2.45. Um, a great goal would have been <clears throat> sub 2.40, uh, but marathons are such crapshoots, so you never really know. Uh, and then I... I don't know. When the gun goes off, I just I just sort of let my legs take over, I, I guess. And so I was as surprised as I guess anybody was by what ended up happening that day. <laughs> I found myself beside Leslie Sexton, and I was thinking this is not what the plan was at all. Um, but I didn't feel that it, I was overreaching, so I just kind of went at that. <laughs> She made a big break for it uh, about halfway through uh, the marathon. At that point, um, you know, maybe there was a little bit of hurt starting to sneak in. Uh, I'm just wondering, were you thinking about going with her or was it, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable here. I think I'll, I'll continue on this pace and see where it gets me. 
I was, uh, there was actually, we had, I spoke with her about that in the race, during the race in the first half. And I did say to her, um, I know you're, you're going to probably make a surge halfway and I don't have a game plan or strategy like that. I'm just going to, you know, go along um, and, and say farewell to you when you do do that and just hope to hang on to what I was doing and hope to feel as well as I had been um, for the first half of it, you know, or like just kind of squeak through for as long as I could, feeling as good as I was feeling. But I, di- I did not have any sort of ambition to uh, keep up with her for the duration, that's for sure. I was pumped just to be there with her for the first half. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, I mean, like, on the line... And and in the days before, did you see yourself as as coming in second? Did did you consider that a possibility looking at the field? No, no, I didn't. And I don't. As a rule, I sort of don't like to think about things like that. I don't like to put pressure, that kind of pressure, on myself. The only pressure that I had was to run under two forty five and sort of play with the idea of sub two forty. Like that was. Where placing and rank, I no, I had, I didn't, I didn't think about things like that. No, preferred not to. You've uh, you've had a, a real breakout year this year um, with with a win out on the West Coast and uh, you know a very deep half marathon. Uh, you've had you've had a lot of really great races this year. What what do you think the difference has been this year? Thanks. Thank you. Um, I think. A few things. I think um, I got I straightened up diet or nutrition and sleep, and um, then that allowed me to sort of train more consistently. Um, and then in the particular training plans, I, I happen to run uh, more more tempos in in my training, and I'm just I'm just sort of. I think I'm better suited for temples and, and I like them and confidence is gained there, but really it's sort of like the consistency and intention in my training and during my runs that I think has made the difference. And being able to do that with getting all of my other ducks in a row, <laughs> just taking me six years to do. <laughs> you know, we, we talked a bit before, um, before this interview about Steve Boyd and how he is, he's your coach. He's, uh, he's with the physical people up in Kingston, but he also does some online coaching. Um, you know, yeah. how, how did you get involved with him and, uh, and you know, what kind of relationship do you have with Steve? I, so typically, or before, uh, running with Steve and I still do run with the black lungs. Um, and I had just, they brought me from like a 309 to a 245, but I kept breaking down and that was sort of my own ignorance and my own inexperience. And, um, you get, I was getting really down on myself for these injuries. You feel stupid, you feel foolish. And then I saw, um, I guess a little video that Dylan Wikes was in and, uh, Steve Boyd, there was a clip of him in it that said, you know, when you're running at this level, it's not a matter of if you get injured, it's a matter of when you get injured. And I thought that, you know, that sort of made me feel slightly better than like just 
because I was running a lot and, and I just sort of liked as I was listening to Steve, I just, I just liked his take on things. And so I thought I'm going to just email him and, and give it a whirl and see, see if it goes anywhere. Um, because I, I did think at this point that I needed some more help and direction in my running if I wanted to keep running healthily or start running healthily. And um, he responded uh, favorably, and we've been connected since then, I guess for a year, just over a year now. And I've been out to Kingston a couple times to run with him and um, Clara Langley, who is also who also ran the, or who was training as well for Scotiabank, and Cleo Boyd, his daughter, who, who just crushed the, her very first half mm-hmm. at, at Scotiabank, too. So, But our, our, our relationship, our coaching relationship is, is online, um, except for during the summer when I'm able to get out there a couple more times. You know, um, I'm pretty sure he was there. I saw a bunch of the Kingston people, and I saw Cleo on the course. Actually, um, did you know? Oh, did okay. did you guys, uh, you know, meet up afterwards? You know, what what was his reaction to uh, to your time? We actually we didn't meet up, and and part of I part of what I really uh, appreciate about Steve is he's not like. He's not big on adulation. He's just, you know, he's sort of, here's the, here's what you need to do and here's what we're going to do and great brand. Like he's, we're sort of bare bones. And, uh, but then I did after, after the run, I received um, a great email from him that I will probably print and <laughs> like it's just, it's one of my favorite things that I've read. So he was really happy he would say not surprised um by the result um he has a lot more confidence in me than i did that's for sure mm. um but yeah so we just we just we chat over email and it's it's it works it's works for me it suits me so you mentioned the black lungs and uh you know, of, of course, out there the, this past Sunday, uh, you had Michael Doyle, who was who was doing commentary. Uh, also, I saw Dan Way. He's also a member of the Black Lungs. He was on the course. Yeah. Uh, there, yes. there's a bunch of guys, you know, just in front of me who are Black Lungs. Uh, one thing I noticed yeah. though was the amount of you know local support. You know, when when they would go running by, people would be cheering for them and stuff. It was it really seemed like a really cool kind of community, and it seems like the people of Toronto are behind the Black Lungs. Did you feel that when you were out on the course? I really truly did, and the I think I was very surprised by the amount of um, crowd support there was all the way along. And my mates were all out there as well, like in very in, in various points on the course. I either saw them while we were running together, or if they weren't competing, they were cheering. And they, those those gents in particular, they are like family to me. And Rob Campbell was out there on his bike. He's the he makes the Black Lung Plan, and just every little piece of the puzzle is so so important. But as a as a whole of the race, I just I was so happy with the turnout and the the encouragement and the support it's it's actually overwhelming to be honest and i mean i just hope it continues that way because it's it 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 helps so much 
How how many people are in are in the Black Lungs at this point? I think there are. I want to say maybe thirty. I'm not actually sure at this point. Um, I, I probably about thirty members. I was going to say one thing that that really struck me during the broadcast was. Uh, you know, of all the of all the top Canadian runners, it seemed that all of them, you know, running was something that they did. They also had, you know, a full time job on top of what they on top of what they did. You, of course, are a teacher, and that includes some very long days. Uh, you know, there's mention of you getting up at at four in the morning to run every single day. Um, mm. yeah, did you find that to be a good start to your day, or you know? How how did it play into the dynamic of being a teacher, but also being a runner? I I think well, um, first of all, the running in the morning gives me energy throughout the day. I kind of need that run in the morning. This this week, I've been rather sluggish, <laughs> having not been able to get up and get that run going, and everything uh, flowing. Um, the days are long with the children. They are you're you're on. <laughs> all the time uh, until they're gone and then there's you know after school coaching or if I need to get myself back to the gym or if I have a double so I find I find the balance is actually really great it's really really satisfying and they say if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life and it's corny but it's exceptionally true like I love to run so it doesn't feel like hard work and I love teaching I love the children so Again, it's just it's just what I do. And but at eight o'clock at night, my eyelids are getting heavy. <laughs> I'm tired by the time a day's done. I'm tired. And people uh, who do this with families and children, I just my hat goes off to them for sure. You mentioned the the after school coaching, and uh, of course, you are a cross country coach uh, at the school that you teach at. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's been a lot of news over the past couple of years, uh, in fact, some of it made by your coach, actually, um, about uh, equality and distance between the genders. You know, I would think that that as a runner and as a coach, uh, you have gotten to witness this firsthand. Do you have any opinions on, on that sort of matter? I'm still developing them to be honest with you I'm still just taking it I'm new to running I feel that I'm fairly new to running I've been running for six years I started six years ago and sort of four of those years I've had fractures and I I didn't I don't have I didn't go through the collegiate system for cross country or track or anything so at this point I'm just gathering information and I haven't yet formed an opinion (laughs) the one that I'm comfortable speaking on right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Did, um, you know, how did you get into running? You mentioned that it was, it was fairly recent. I mean, you know, you are 39, I believe. So that, that seems, yeah, kind of, kind kind of late for competitive running. You know, how did you find the sport? Well, I ran, I ran in elementary school. I stopped in grade eight and I loved it back then. Um, and then, high school came and I just, I stopped. And then there was a local race. There was a local 5k race in Durham when I lived, uh, I lived in Durham for several years and uh, a friend had suggested 
he said, you know, you used to run in high school, or excuse me, you used to run in public elementary school. Why don't you, why don't you just do this? And I thought, yeah, why not? It's down the street. So I ran and I think it was, it was 21 or 22 minutes or something. And I had just a great time. It was a great time of year and everyone out there is so positive. And then from there, I joined a running room clinic in Pickering and started started in uh, at the Pickering running room, my first sort of half marathon. Um, on the second day, I got into the wrong clinic. I joined the marathon clinic, so I trained with the marathoners as a half marathoner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, just, I, I liked the distance, and then the rest is history. And I just, then I was bitten. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you've had some time to reflect now. Has it Has it really hit you yet that you have in in six years you've gone from that to running a time that in some countries would have gotten you to the Rio games last year oh I no I <laughs> no this is no I have I I am I haven't had to, I mean the the, it, the response has been really um, overwhelming from everybody and I'm just really touched by Oh gosh, the support! But then Monday it was it was back to school, and I have a report cards this week, so <laughs> they're they're due, you know, next Wednesday. And so I'm just sort of like I just have to switch, flip gears really quickly, or flip the switch. So running, I was great, enjoy that, and then sort of peek at social media once in a while. But then the kids need to learn how to multiply, so I can't I can't get. I haven't been able to get to wrap that. Maybe this weekend. Maybe when I go finally get to go for a run again, that's when I do all of my thinking. So <laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, we won't, <laughs> we won't hold you up for for much longer. But you know, we have to know uh, just what's next now. I mean, you've had this huge breakthrough. Do you have any races? You know, on on the horizon. What's what's next for Lindsay? Um, I I would love to. Um, run cross-country nationals on the 25th, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, and I certainly don't want to be greedy. I want to see how this um, this recovery goes. Uh, but that would be great. And then maybe I'll target a half in, in January, maybe Houston. I'm sort of playing with that thought. But I need to get recovered and rested here first before I can not allow myself to get too far ahead of things. That's where disappointment comes in. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I hear I hear Cleo is going as well too. So it should be a very very good race. Houston is of course very famous for for fast course for a fast course and yeah. a fast race. Um, you know, first of all, congratulations on you know your silver medal. That's huge as well. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, for being on the show this week. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so so much. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, too. Aaron Cooper may not be a household name to many, even within the running community, but Aaron has been self-coaching himself to some respectable times out of his home base near Sarnia. That became evident when he took home a national bronze this past weekend in Toronto. All right, so we're, we're talking, uh, it's the Thursday after your big race, and, uh, you know, I have to know, have you have you taken the time, have you watched back this year's Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathon yet? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to see, uh, you know, how things looked kind of from the front and uh, how that race went down. It was cool to see a lot of coverage of Hoffbauer in his debut and and obviously uh, Leslie rocking and rolling out there. So, I mean, what did you, what did you take away from it? Because I, I know, I think, you know, you had mentioned it for sure afterwards, but probably before the race as well, too, that this year was going to be, you know, a really exciting race. Uh, you know, did things pan out? Uh, you know, watching watching the front, did things pan out kind of how you thought they would? Um, I'd say probably not. Um, I guess with most marathons, there's usually some casualties and maybe that's what keeps it kind of exciting. But I was hoping for good things from, uh, you know, guys like Rob Winslow and Kevin Coffey and looks like they had tough days out there, but, um, I guess, you know, you never know how it's going to go for sure. I guess that's why they say you have to run the race. If, uh, you know, to see how things are going to shake out. For sure, for sure. So I, I guess that's kind of a nice tie-in to my next question because, I mean, like everyone goes through the race in their head, you know, days and, and weeks before they actually run it. But, I mean, in your – how many of those situations did you see yourself, you know, getting that, that bronze medal, you know, podiuming at a Canadian championship? <laughs> uh, I, I you know, like 1% chance or something. It's uh, definitely not something that I expected to happen. Like, um, without a doubt, I think, like those guys that I just named, obviously Trevor Hoffbauer and Sammy, um, you know, I think head-to-head they could take me (laughs) any day of the week. Um, So, uh, you know, unfortunately... For me to sneak onto the podium, I think it required a, a bunch of other really good runners to have bad days out there. So, you know, it was kind of a cool surprise for me, but um, like I, I don't have any illusions about uh, about uh, how I stack up against uh, some of those guys that had bad days. Well, I, I mean, I, I think you're underplaying it a little bit because I know we were talking before this and uh, and, and you're a very humble person. Uh, but, you know, you bring something so, so different to this to this uh, Canadian distance running thing. And uh, we'll talk about your training and, and all that sort of stuff a little bit later on. But I want to know from the time that, that you heard the first air horn go off and, you know, you took off to the time when you crossed the line, knowing that you were the third Canadian, you know, talk to me about about the race and, and how it went down for you? Um, so like heading into the race, um, I, I kind of thought I was going to be going out a little conservatively at like one eleven thirty through the half. So on pace for about two twenty three, And, um, the expectation was that the lead women would be around that mark as well. They ended up going out, a fair bit quicker and so um i was running with josh bolton for the first half of the race and um i think i was somewhere around like 30th or whatever in the race overall um by 10k or something but slowly over you know the next 20 kilometers or something uh 
people started falling off that lead women pack and, and I would catch them. And then finally I caught up to the lead woman and her pacer and, and I thought, Oh great. I'll just hang out here for a little bit. But, um, I don't know. I was just feeling good and like, oh, never mind, keep going. And then, uh, the Bank Toronto waterfront marathon kind of has a couple turnarounds. I think there's three, one, I don't know, before 10 K on Lakeshore Boulevard, mm-hmm. one when you're kind of got a little jog North and South. And then when you're on the far East of the course. So there's three different spots that you can kind of gauge where you are in the field. And I think by like 25 K or something, I only saw Trevor, Sammy and, uh, uh, John Mason ahead of me in the Canadian field. So, um, over the next 10 K and the final few kilometers, I was just trying to get everything out of my legs that I could to catch the next guy ahead of me. And, and then finally around the 41 kilometer mark, I caught up to John Mason and, and, uh, just <laughs> didn't look back and ran scared to the finish line, hoping that I could hold him off. You ran, uh, you know, a 224, which is, uh, is a fantastic time, a 224.39, uh, which is a fantastic time, a huge PB for you. Uh, I noticed reading your blog, uh, which you can throw out a link for that if you'd like, um, you said, it, well, well, as a PB, it wasn't exactly what you were hoping for. You know, when, when did you kind of feel that, you know, maybe it was... First of all, what, what were you aiming for? And second of all, when, when in the race did you feel that, you know, perhaps what you're aiming for was a little bit out of your reach? Um, I, I was, I don't know. You never know. It's so hard to predict with a marathon, but I guess I was kind of hoping for something around 222 maybe. And just based on the half marathon times that I'd run earlier this year, you know, one, one Oh seven mid to high. And, uh, maybe it was a little warm out there, warmer than I'd like anyways. But, um, I came through half in one eleven thirty, and it maybe felt a little bit harder than I wanted it to at that point. And, um, so there was a bit of fade over the second half, even though I, um, having those uh, people to chase down over the second half kind of kept me going a little bit. So I don't know. I'm not sure if it ever felt like it was going to happen that day. Um, I guess is the best way to put it, <laughs> but you just got to make the, the best of, of the situation. So I, I don't know about you, but whenever I cross the line uh, in a marathon, which I, I suppose I haven't run too many, usually the first thought that crosses is it's going to be a while before I do this again. Um, yeah. <laughs> that being said, have have you made plans? You know, do you have your eye on you know a future marathon that that you'd like to hit and maybe improve improve upon your time a little bit more? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, for me, uh, like the the most important marathon that I run is the next one. Hmm. Um, like so far, each one that I've run is just a, a stepping stone towards whatever's next. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful that, um, even though 224 was a PB, 
I'm hopeful that, you know, uh, the next one will be better. And, uh, like, doing up a training plan and figuring out which race to target next, that's, like, one of my favorite things about uh, running, besides the actual training and running. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have your eye on a specific marathon? Oh, man. Uh, I've run Ottawa a couple times, and that's a, an awesome race, but I've just been screwed over, I think, a couple times with the weather the last few years. So I'm looking for something maybe earlier, April or something, and it could end up being something like the Toledo Glass City Marathon just because it's like a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Um, so easier to get to um, with young kids or whatever. So, uh, you know, I know you've mentioned it. Uh, I've mentioned it as well. You know, y- you are, you know, it's it, you're self-coached. Um, you know, at, at this point, to be quite honest with you, I, I don't think you're following the path of, of a lot of people that, that you've actually beat that this past Sunday uh, or, you know, a lot of professional athletes, I guess you could say. I mean, you you have a, a full-time job. You know, you you look after your after your kids as well, too. Uh, you, you have all that sort of responsibility. Talk to me. How did you get into running and, you know, how did you get to this level without, you know, some of the things that, that we almost you know, think our necessities for running fast? Um, I don't know. I think I kind of got hooked for real on running um, after I ran my first marathon um, back in 2013. Um, I At that point, I just like looked up a training plan online to complete a marathon and, and, uh, ran for three months and, and then did a marathon and, uh, it was just so much fun. Um, like the, the whole process of training and making yourself better and, and then getting to race day and accomplishing something that three months ago, uh, would have been impossible. And that's basically just what I've been doing since then is do one marathon and then gear up for another cycle. I mean, obviously, Injuries happen, unfortunately, more frequently than I'd like. But um, one really cool um, source of inspiration for training and that sort of thing is has been Strava. Um, and over the years, more and more guys have been um, joining that and sharing their training. So there's like no shortage of ideas for workouts or or how people structure their, their weeks and, and their entire um, training cycles. Like heading into Toronto this year, I had a, um, a spreadsheet going of all the guys that I figured were probably going to run Toronto. And then they're kind of like a summary of their weekly training to kind of see, you know, what kind of things people were working on and what kind of workouts they were running and what paces they were running, that sort of thing. Um, partly, I guess, to kind of see how I thought I stacked up against the competition, but also, um, for ideas like this time around, I, I kind of had a general idea of what workouts I wanted to do. And then the week of, um, 
you know, I might look back and see, oh, these guys did, you know, this kind of workout. Ah, you know what? I kind of want a little bit of that in my workout this week. And so often the morning of a workout, I would just kind of um, decide what I was actually going to run, um, which I think is a little bit different than how most people get a training plan for a week or a month and then just follow it. So I, I kind of like that flexibility, obviously with kids and work and stuff, you have to be pretty flexible to, to fit everything in. For sure. For sure. So, I mean, like, what would you say that, that the backbone of your plan was, I mean, you know, some people are Daniel's people and, you know, some, some people are Hanson people, uh, you know, where, where do you get the backbone of, of your training plan from? Um, I think a couple of years ago, Daniel's was probably, um, the primary source of inspiration, like his books. And, um, so that was like a lot of like long marathon pace tempos and that sort of thing. Um, once guys like Reed Coolset started posting on Strava, um, I didn't see a whole lot of that type of work. Um, it seemed like they were doing more of like big volume interval sessions and that sort of thing. So um, obviously other Canadian guys like Reed and, and the Speed River crew um, were, were where I drew some inspiration from in, in kind of tweaking what I was doing before. Um, and I think probably heading into the next build, um, we just got a taste of what Elliot Kipchoge did for his uh, Berlin training. And uh, I did see a lot of similarities there between his training and guys like Reed. And I would imagine uh, many of the other Speed River guys so I might try to kind of incorporate some of um, some ideas from that Kipchoge's training too. Um, obviously, less of it and slower, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he kind of had a really nice, uh, uh, I guess, like structure to his week that was super consistent week over week, and like an interval session on one day, one day's rest, and then a long tempo or progression run and and another day and then another interval session and just like repeated it week over week. And sometimes I think, um, like just keeping it simple and doing work is more important than specifically what work you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of the the way I look at it. Like just, just do some work, run a lot. (laughs) For sure. For sure. So, I mean, where do you think your ceiling is? Have, have you thought about, you know, where you'd eventually like to say that your marathon PB is? Um, you never know if you, I, you probably would have gotten a different answer from me if you asked me three years ago and, and who knows? Um, I, I think it would be great if I could get closer to that, uh, 222 or whatever that I was kind of hoping for this year. So come the spring, I would like to get obviously better than 224, maybe something like 222, 221, 220 or whatever. Longer term, who knows? Um, You know, depends how the next one goes. He is Aaron Cooper. He is the the blue collar runner uh, from Sarnia. 
and he he took bronze at the Canadian Championships uh, this past weekend in Toronto. Thanks a lot for being on the show, man. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for the chat, Michael. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. That wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Lindsay and Aaron, as well as to Alan Brooks for putting on an excellent... Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Aaron and Lindsay, to the CRS and Alan Brooks for putting on an excellent, excellent marathon in Toronto this past weekend, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at the Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, tracky.ca. Thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. (laughs) 